This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. All right, welcome back to the Survival and Basic Badass Podcast, Kevin and Chuck. Well, today, well, we're going to talk about preserving meat, especially in like a off-grid end-of-the-world shit hits the fan kind of situation right the idea right is, you know basically when there's no refrigeration and no easy way to do things so we're going to talk about well some of the obvious the salt curing and the smoking we're going to go into detail step by step so that way you guys can do it and don't end up stuck um and some of the other options you have we're going to touch on and but there there's a lot of not a lot of ways to preserve meat. I mean, the best way is to kind of cook it while it's fresh, right? That's the right. answer. But stick uh, it in the freezer. I mean, that's that's the obvious. We all have a a, a fridge, a great asset right now, full freeze. You know, a freezer full of meat. I mean, if if you're planning ahead, um, yeah. But you know, the power goes out and doesn't come back on. What are you going to do with all that frozen meat? You can only eat so much, you know. Yeah. Last weekend, uh, yeah. I was excited. It wasn't last weekend. It was a uh, 4th of July weekend. I, I got super excited. I went, bought eight pounds of steak. Yeah. I got through three pounds on my own. Kevin, you're just one man. I mean, yeah. you know, you're the victim. <laughs> I would think in a weekend I could eat more than three pounds of, of steak, but that's that wasn't the case. Who knew? And, and that's the thing. I mean, just preserving what you already have, you know, mm-hmm. in the, the thing. Now, canning meat, that, that's a whole a different thing and and that's definitely an option you can can meat and you might want to look into that we're gonna like really said really focus on salt curing and smoking um mm-hmm. in this episode but what are some of the other options so we have canning meat like wh- what can we do right well i mean a, a lot of people do uh fermentation but that's not really great for uh for most meat so um you use that uh fermented foods or like uh hard cheeses yogurt uh, beer, vinegar, wine, 
salami, all these things will last a long time. So with meats, it's it's salami, pepperoni, pe- pepperoni, and uh, chorizo. I mean, I'm sure there's other ones along that lines, but that's yeah. that's basically what you're getting out of that is is some of those um those cured uh cured meats. Now, the French call it charcuterie. Oh, I I appreciate a charcuterie board. You know, it's just just smoked and fermented meats. Love it. Um, but also, uh, you know, there's a lot of other ways to, uh, to preserve things that maybe aren't as effective, but also, uh, good options, um, preserving meat with, uh, fat and oil. So, so you go, uh, what you, what you would do is basically you're, you're going to, uh, boil the meat with oil or, you know, fat is, is what it is. You want to, you kind of want animal fat in there. You're boiling it in the fat. In the fat, right. Then you're going to put it in a container and seal it up as best as possible. And it'll last for for months, you know, and you just scrape that fat off the top before you eat it because that's going to have some bacteria in it. Right. Um, And then you eat your meat. And that that can last for months. Uh, They would basically put it in a pot, you know, and just put a lid on the pot and the fat would seal the meat in. Right. And that's it. You're just sealing it up so no air and bacteria is getting to it. Right. And obviously by boiling it, boiling it in the fat, you're killing anything on the internal side. Right. And right. therefore, you know, keeping everything out and keeping sealed, which is awesome. Um, I mean, that's one of the things like they always talk about with meat. Like, so the reason when you go to the the places, like you'll see some people slice off a steak and eat it raw, you know, just pick up the piece and eat it and with beef, right. you know, mm-hmm. and, and you're like, Oh, how can they do that? Well, the idea is so with a steak cut, that cut only the outside surface is exposed to air and bacteria. So anything right. off the inside, you know, you're, you're clean. And that's why they say like ground meat, you need to cook more thoroughly. You know, again, do I eat, Right. Very close to rare burgers. Yes, I do. And have I ever had a problem? No, I have not. But that's because meat gets kept refrigerated and right. away from bad things. And America um, has the best doctors in the world. If you get a yeah, case of like squirts, whatever. you can get right. that taken care of. If you can go whatever, to the doctor. Right? Yeah. It ain't you know. a big deal. Salmonella isn't even a killer if you're you know, living in a first world right. country. If you can go to the doctor, that's not always going to be an option though, right? You don't want to get salmonella and have no one to to take a look at you exactly so so what else are we doing with curing the meat here what what can we do or uh, cure well, some other uh, basic ways uh for preserving um you can preserve with sugars like jams and stuff right mm-hmm. uh you can also uh preserve uh with alcohol um they've been doing that for years but it's it's basically you're filling up a jar with fruit and topping it off with rum and it's basically good forever. But also, you know, you don't want that to be your only option. Like you have to get drunk every single time you eat. Mm. You know, you you might have other problems at that point. I know the doctor's always like, well, you're pickling your liver. And I'm yeah. like, yeah, I'm preserving it. Yeah, it's going to be good. <laughs> It'll be good for years. Perfect specimen. Uh-huh. My body will de- decompose. My liver's going to be around for 100 years afterwards, though. Yeah, that may right. not be the case. But, you know, yeah. whatever. So, so the, the best way though, for preserving meat is, is, uh, salt curing. All right. right. And that's, uh, it's not the best way. Salt curing and smoking is the best way to do it. Yeah. Salt curing is, is really, 
if you're smoking meat to preserve it long term, you want to salt cure it first, right? Yeah. Now, technically, if done correctly, salt curing will leave it like shelf stable forever. Right. I mean, it's it's like indefinite. It's good. Right. So the idea is the salt draws out the moisture and it promotes actually good bacteria. That's why, you know, they always hear about the French who will let meat hang until like mold and stuff grow on it and yeah. whatever. And you're like, oh, that's horrible. But that these Super are actually gross. good bacteria. Right. That are growing on. Now, mind you, I'm scraping that off. If yeah, you scrape it off not, first. You, you, you just, might want to cut that, that outer you know, layer out. We, we don't need to get too crazy, right? Mm -hmm. um, so the big thing, right, if you're going to salt cure meat, is you need salt that is 100% salt. You don't want right. your iodized salt. You don't want with, like, little preservatives. They have stuff that keeps it from turning into hard chunks. Yeah, and yeah. You want to be conscientious about your salt. It has to be salt. All right. Yeah. So it has to be pure. So believe it or not, like that Himalayan pink salt, that's actually good. Um uh, most kosher salt, it should be good. I think if it's kosher, I think it has to meet that criteria. Right. Um, but again, look at the label. If there's anything besides salt in it, it's a no-go for preserving. Now, end of the world, and you're like, Oh, I only have this container of iodized salt. Yeah, go for it. It's okay. Right. But in general, when you're curing meat, you want something that's pure. All right. I mean, I'm just saying that would be better than dying would be to risk that, right. you know, then there might've been something in there. I don't know. No, but if you're buying salt to preserve it, you right. want to be particular about pure. yourself. All right. So pure salt, nothing else. Sea salt, obviously Himalayan. Um, so I looked around, it's hard to find pure salt in quantity. Mm -hmm. Now you actually don't need that much salt to preserve meat. It's not as dramatic as you think, but still I, I would want a big bag if this was my plan. You know, if part of my whole long-term survival plan depended on preserving meat, then you're going to want to buy like a, you know, a five gallon bucket of salt or, you know, 50 pound bag, something like that, that you actually have it and are good to go. Now, so what you're going to do now that you have the good salt, you want like quality meat. That's the thing. But I mean, that's kind of obvious, right? Like, I mean, right. why would I be, you know, if something's suspect or questionable, that's the meat you cook and use right away. Right away, right. The stuff that you preserve right. is the stuff that's in good shape. And another right? thing, if you're preserving it, you want it fresh. You know what I mean? Yes. You don't want to get it, stick it in the refrigerator for three days and then then go about doing it. You want it as fresh as possible. As fresh as possible. But again, everything's, you know, within standard, you know, and, mm -hmm. and yeah, you don't want to really freeze it first and do, you know, but again, if it's the apocalypse and my giant freezer went out, um, yeah, it's time to get to work try and cure that meat, even yeah, though it was exactly. frozen. Yeah, I, I probably am. All right. I don't know the official rulings on that, but I know that I'm going to give it a shot. So bottom line, you're going to coat the sides of the meat. Usually, um, I, I actually have a, uh, they say it's like two and a half percent of, so if you're cooking um, a pound of meat, you would take, you know, a two and a half percent of a pound, whatever the heck that is. I don't even know, like grams. I don't know. Is about the amount of salt that it'll end up working out to be. But mm -hmm. a, thic as a thicker cut, you're going to end up going to like 3% 
and a really thin cut, you would do 2%. But basically, the bottom line, you don't need to get crazy with that. The bottom line is you want to coat the sides until nothing sticks to the outside of the meat. All right, sorry, mm-hmm. salt. Then you're going to set it in a container in a cool, dry place, and you're going to leave it for five days. Now, what they usually recommend is to get a, I, I know people have those drying racks that uh, you put for like when you make cookies, they'll take them off the pan and put right. them on the rack. So that way mm-hmm. the bottom doesn't burn racks like that. They'll set the meat on that. And why they do that is the moisture is going to extract out of the meat and drip into the pan mm-hmm. and, and leave it. So you don't want it laying in that juice while it's trying to dry. Right. So, the other scenario, hey, I don't have a drying rack or I'm not willing to do that. That's fine. Just every day, you got to go make sure that pan gets cleaned out and is dry mm-hmm. and it's back to sitting in there. Right. Um, but that's the bottom line. So you're going to let it sit for five days. After yeah, and the five- most important, I mean, that is the most important part yeah. is extracting as much moisture as possible. Right. Now, you can go a few days over or whatever, but it's got to be at least five days. Now, at that point, you're going to go rinse it off and you're going to rinse all that salt off. So it's not like you're, Oh, it's going to ruin my meat. It's going to taste all salty. You're going to rinse all of it off. Now you're not like scrubbing it, but any kind of big crusted glaze, you can kind of scrape that off and you know, whatever, but you're, you're rinsing the meat. That point you're going to put it on a hook and cool, dry place. Now they also sell uh, a um, like string, that you can basically punch a right. hole in it, run the string through to hide, to mm-hmm. hang it. Um, that's another option. But I mean, you got metal coat hangers, whatever. I don't know. I don't know if that's probably a bad idea, but some kind of clean hook, right? Right. Say no, a nice I think stainless that's, I think steel that's hook. Yeah. And you're going to hang the meat up. You're going to let it hang for at least another five days. Um, yeah. So you rinse and brush it to get the excess salt off. Um, pat it dry with a towel, um, something like that. Just anything that's not going to leave lint and, you know, crap in there. Right. You know, they say, um, hang the meat on hooks or twine, cool, dark place for five days. And basically after that five days, you're going to take it, grab it, pull it out. Now you're going to take that cut of meat and you should be able to hold it and it shouldn't have be like floppy or saw or you know move it should be like a a brick kind of thing like just Mm -hmm. solid and stiff and basically that's it now you need to wait until it is dry and basically it'll lose 30 percent of its weight right just over that time and you should be able to kind of check that you know if you're paranoid that's you know one of the things you can do now you can kind of keep it there forever in that cool dry place and that's kind of how you're going to want to store it long term. Um, I know cool and dry is not always an option. I know in the great state of North Carolina, maybe mm-hmm. not the option we have. Um, yeah. Cool and well, the cool part, honestly, the dry part's hard to come by. You're up in the Northeast. Dry is also yeah not now it's as easy to come by. Yeah, it's like eighty percent humidity up here during the summer every day. Yeah, yeah, exactly. But that's that's basically how you salt cure meat. And that's going to work and preserve it. As long as you let it dry, you keep it away from the bugs and the bad things while you do all that, you're going to be good. Um, And that is going to make it safe. Now, there's smoking meat, 
And there's a couple of things. If you want smoking to actually last kind of forever and really work, like preserve it like this, you need to do this salt cure process beforehand. Right. Right. If you're not um, salt curing at first, you're just smoking it for flavor, really. Right. I mean, it's it'll that's, add a little bit of time, but it, it will add time. And right. that's the thing. But so that was actually one of the things I was going to touch on is the Indians were actually kind of the ones who came up with the whole smoking meat thing. And I mean, I, I don't know. You could say, well, no, my uncle Johnny, you know, 20 generations back, he was doing it in England. And what, right. maybe he was. I don't I don't know. I wasn't there. But the way history tells the story. OK. Is that in the teepees, they would hang the meat to keep it up from the little animals and the dogs and the mm -hmm. things that they had. And maybe you can tell me they didn't have dogs in the, you know, whatever. I don't know. But bottom line, they would hang the meat up to keep it away from the critters. And while they would have their fire to stay warm, it ended up smoking the meat. And what would happen is now, again, it would be up there long-term, right? They're leaving it all the time. And you kind of always have a cooking fire going if it's, you know, cold time of year, right? You mm -hmm. always have something going on in the teepee. So what would happen is it would become like dry and hard and they would take it and they would grind it up into like a powder and they would add other stuff that they liked. Usually like, you know, like herbs, fruits, vegetables, the other stuff they dried and they would mix it up and it would become that uh, pemmican that you mm -hmm. keep seeing the right. ad. That's basically what that is. Um, they would usually grind it up into a powder and then add a little fat to get it to stick together, which mm -hmm. kind of goes back to Kevin's theory of kind of preserving the meat and locking things out with the fat. Mm -hmm. So they would add a little fat and then that would be those little bars. Um, I actually have a picture for you guys. Um, but yeah, so if you're watching the video, basically it's this, you know, kind of looks like beef jerky to be honest. Mm -hmm. And just kind of with whatever stuff they put in there, but you don't need the other things that was added flavor. Um, basically it's, they're grinding up the dried meat and then soaking it in fat and, you know, and they're just like kind of rubbing it together with the fat is how the Indians were doing it. I checked out some recipes mm -hmm. and, and that's how you're preserving it. And so again, if you didn't have salt to salt cure it, that might be the answer. Um, a lot of those, what that lost ways book and all those things. And they're right. like, Oh, this, you know, you got the creepy old man with the beard. Maybe yeah. it's not creepy. I have a beard. I don't know. Maybe I'm creepy. I, <laughs> Having I, a I beard automatically makes you You're automatic. There's nothing that you can do about it. <laughs> and, uh, but so that's the thing. So you'll have the, uh, the, the stuff that you can preserve right there without the salt and you can kind of keep it forever. And I mean, these are real go-to's that are actually going to make the difference and kind of give you time, you know, to, to eat the food that you already have and not lose it. And obviously if you kill a deer, you kill a cow, you kill, you know, whatever. Now, Kevin said taking the fat from another animal is the way to go. And I agree, but you know, if all you got is the one animal and the right. one bit of fat, then mm -hmm. guess what? That's going to be your trick, you know? Um, yeah. Traditionally but, uh, pemmican that you would make, today would mm. just be beef tallow. It would be the fat you would use. Right. But right. like you said, you're going to use the fat, whatever fat you can get your hands on um, for,
for that sort of, you know, an emergency situation. If you're doing this uh, on your weekend, uh, just to, you know, to play around, find some beef tallow to make it with. But otherwise, you know, use what you got. There's nothing yeah. wrong with that. Now, so a traditional smokehouse, what you'd want to do is uh, you're basically making a uh, a firebox mm-hmm. and you're going to have a, uh, like, this can be anything. I've seen people use like a little charcoal grill and then they'll take uh, that metal dryer vent, the mm-hmm. six, six inch ducting, and they'll run it to some kind of box. Now, I, I, I'm actually working on one now in the backyard and I had, had scored some good uh, lumber from, uh, I had actually found off like Facebook yard sale. I nice. went to go buy windows from somebody and he's like, you know, I have this barn. If you give me $60 a day, you can take as much siding off the barn as you want. Cause I'm just going to push it down and have to burn it all. So whatever. And I was like, yeah, I sat out there for two days and uh, <laughs> I, I got a lot of wood. And, uh, but anyway, so you're going to make now something, like I said, it could be like a little charcoal grill, those little round ones that you have at the campground, or it could be something like a cement box. What I did for my play, my my version is um, I ended up getting a, uh, I'm going to make it out of, out of bricks, like in the fire block inside, because I'm overthinking mm-hmm. things and whatever. Right. But I also bought... Um, tractor supply had those you could buy the big iron door and like the kit to make a uh, 55 gallon drum into a uh mm-hmm. into a uh, wood stove yeah now, you could actually do that do the 55 gallon drum in the wood stove but i just wanted the big heavy door at the time it was like 40 bucks i'm sure it's like 80 now with inflation you know who knows mm-hmm. but i bought the big heavy door that i could have a nice hinge door on my you know brick fireplace and load it up um, I've seen people do where they make that box, they put a grate on top and what they did is, um, the, uh, the grate they could use as a grill and cook at the same time. So they could kind of cook and then you divert, you know, like as long as the majority of the smoke is going up and, you know, out. So that's it. So I have the box, you're going to have a pipe going out the back. That's going to then go into the smokehouse. Now, usually you want it to be like 10 feet away, something like that. Mm-hmm. And you're going to, uh, you know, move, have the smoke fill up the box. What I did, I plan to do is, is basically a uh, outhouse size building. And when I had old ovens that I was looking to get away, cause I've been planning this for a while. When I had old ovens, I was looking to get rid of, I actually took the racks and so those racks are going to be like stacked up and that's how wide right. I'm going to make it. So I can just, you know, stack the racks there mm-hmm. to throw the smoke in. Now, a traditional smokehouse, all you're really looking for is you need some way to vent it. You need right. the smoke to come in and the vent is so you can control the heat and you need some kind of thermometer in there. You do want it to be airtight. Um, I'm sorry, not airtight, uh, like insect proof. Right. So things aren't getting in there. However, you know, whatever, while the smoke's in there, it's not going to be a problem. Right. There's not going to be a whole lot in there. When people finish smoking it, a lot of times they'll leave the meat in there. And if you plan to do that, you need to be able to secure it from bugs for that initial, you know, drying time. Mm -hmm. Um, 
for the smoke to adhere to the meat, there does technically still have to be some moisture in there. Um, so that's something you want to, you know, be aware of. It, it's kind of hard to find that delicate balance. Um, yeah. when you set up a smoker, typically if you want it to be really smoky flavored, you want it to be 80 to 110 degrees. Um, if you go 110 or a tiny bit higher, that's going to make it dry quicker. Uh, you never want to go over 200 degrees or you're just cooking it. Right. Um, you never use like gas or lighter fluid to kind of get that fire going. You want to keep it pure and nice. Mm -hmm. uh, typical wood for, for a smokehouse, you want to use like hickory or oak. Seem to be the the go to. Yeah, you want to use hardwoods. You never want to use like a uh, any kind of pine or cedar or anything or like apple. that. Yeah, it would be best to you know apple fruit tree woods. Uh, a lot of people use wood from fruit trees. Maple. Um, yep. Yeah, maple hickory is obviously that's mesquite, that's, uh, pecan, uh, black yeah. walnut. Yep. Right. But yeah. I would say most of the time people use oak. I mean, you, I think when you have the luxury of apple, yeah. people want it but people aren't cutting down apple trees too often when they're looking. You just, you got to prune, prune your apple trees in the beginning of the year, man. You got to no, cut some is. of them branches off anyway. Stuff. Save it, save it, dry it out. And, and you're good. Nah, but that's, that's basically the process. Um, so the smoking, um, you're gonna need like four to six hours. You really just want to dry it out. Um, that's, but again, you're curing the meat first. So that's really what's doing the, the hard work, you know? Right. Um, and obviously something different, like a, uh, a big ham or, or something like that is going to take, you know, more time. You have different, right. Different sizes and weights. Mm -hmm. Um, but these are, are the basics. And I got to say, setting up a smokehouse, trying this stuff out before you're in a desperate situation. I mean, I got to say, <clears throat> if all of a sudden there's an EMP right now and everything goes dark, it's really going to suck if you're like, oh, I got to deal with my freezer. I have to build a smokehouse right now. Right. That's kind of going to be maybe not your number one priority. Uh-huh. Right. And that's why we prepare. You know, mm -hmm. that's why as a prepper, you know, you do things beforehand, you kind of figure out, Hey, you know, let's try this out. Let, let's make some meat. Let's see what happens. You know, obviously you can dry meat and make beef jerky in your oven. You don't need, you know, these, these special things. And again, if, if something happens and you have a generator and you can use your oven, I'm not sure that's the best use of your resources, Right. but you could dry it out. You know, and, and do that kind of stuff beforehand. And again, it's going to preserve it longer, but without the salt, you're not getting that permanent. Um, you are getting a lot of time if you do do the fat, you know, saturated. Mm -hmm. But as far as just smoking or drying out, it'll buy you time because it'll keep it from rotting. But it's not mm -hmm. going to keep it from, you know, insects and critters and bacteria to start right. to grow long term. So. No. Yeah, no, that sounds that all sounds good to me. Um, yeah, so yeah, preservation helps control spoilage by inhibiting growth of uh microorganisms, uh slowing enzymatic activity and preventing the oxidation of fatty acids that promote rancicity. 
that's uh those are some big words there but basically what you're doing is is you're you're killing off the bacteria and drying out the meat uh so that the it'll prevent growth of any kind of bacteria so that's you know that's the way that you're you know that scientifically that's how it's being preserved that's what makes it last longer and the the lower the moisture content uh the longer it's going to last at up to a certain point obviously um right so uh yeast bacteria mold um needs moisture to grow so you're you know that's that's one of your your go-tos there you know right. that's that's what you want to be paying attention to obviously you want to get it up to a certain temperature without cooking it, you know, without getting it too hot. And, you know, the smoke actually has uh, things in it uh, that preserve meat as well. Right. Like there's there's formaldehyde in, in wood smoke. I didn't know that. So, Sorry. you know, stuff like that. Yeah, stuff like that is, is you know, be honest with you, smoked and, and preserved meat, it's got a lot of nitrates. Eventually it's going to give you cancer. But yeah. also the more smoked meat you eat, the bigger your dick gets. A lot of people don't know that. It's That's true. Mine wow. is is oversized already, so I, you know, but I can't help myself. I just love that that flavor, you know, the smoky flavor. Sure. Right. Right. So I mean, what am I gonna do? I'm just out of luck there, you know. But um, yeah. That, so the French called it charcuterie, right? Yes. I like to have have a a, a bit of um, hard meats. Yeah. You know, in the evening, a nice nice uh board of, of hard meats big fan but um you know pepperoni uh trezo all these these things that uh are preserved and smoked and fermented i mean uh who's not a fan of of different types of meat you know what i mean you got to have all the all the flavors in there in the united states we're so accustomed to like uh beef pork and chicken it's like uh yeah. You know, the three staples. It's all you see at the grocery store. You want to get lamb chops, you're going to spend $18 a pound on that stuff. Yep. You know, it's, it's exotic, right? Yeah. Lamb, all that stuff is overseas, Europe, Middle East. They chow down on that stuff. Right. I don't Go. know why in the United States it's so, so hard right. to find inexpensive uh, meats aside of the pork, the, the chicken and the beef, but that's the way it is. It's, I think it's cause we're so gluttonous in America that we yeah. need excess. And mm -hmm. so what I mean by that is like, so you have lambs or goat, you know, sheep or sheep or goats. Um, awesome overseas. Cause they're like, Hey, you know, this will live anywhere. We can live in this horrible, rocky, crappy environment. Right. They eat anything. We don't need whatever, but you don't get a ton of meat out of a goat or a lamb or whatever. Right. Whereas in America, we're like, hey, I'm going to buy, what did you say, 12 pounds of meat for the weekend or right. whatever, you know, <laughs> that's the problem. They don't do that in, in other countries. They're not right. like, hey, it's just me for the weekend. I need 12 pounds of meat. What I think is is crazy. A lot of people don't realize this, but the United States is like the only place where you're going to eat meat for three meals a day. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah Most places, right. they don't have meat three meals a day. I had a friend of mine uh, that was visiting from India and they had rice for every single meal. And then on Sundays, oh. they'd add some vegetables to that rice. Yeah, They almost never had up. access to meat. You know, that was fancy. Right. was putting in some vegetables in that rice. You know, it was basically just rice more, you know, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. Um, but I mean, if you're surviving, that's, that's great. You know? Oh, dude, but, it was, it was brutal at work. It was, uh, it was taco Tuesday. 
right earlier right. this week and obviously uh, and um so second shift by the time they get to us they're like oh you know we ran out of nachos and taco shells and burrito shells so it's a rice bowl and i'm like yeah i don't really live in a third world country so <laughs> this is not i'm not gonna pay you ten dollars for a bowl of rice uh, it, no no no, that's and I'm like, if you're not giving me what you're giving the other guy, then I'm not paying. And yeah, yeah that's just crazy. Yeah, no, I, I think, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, in the United States, we we get a little bit crazy. And, and you know, yeah, I mean, the Native Americans time. had a had a thing for that. You know, they thought that if you ate something, you were taking on the properties of that that beast. You know, if you killed a big, strong elk. That yeah. meat was going to make you big and strong. And in a sense, that does make sense. You know what I mean? Meats, it works. Meats right? have protein. If you're going to build muscle, you need protein. But, um, I mean, that's why they would eat their enemies, right? You're going to eat your enemy's heart because he was brave. And that, that courage is going to come into you. So, you if know. If he was brave. But what if he's a coward? Then you're, like, then yeah. you're humiliating him by turning his meat into shit. <laughs> no, I mean I'm I'm serious. I'm dead serious. That's uh those are both both reasons why you would eat your enemies. Okay. So you I gotta mean, keep your options open, you know. Different perspective, that's all. You know, I don't really think that way, but I guess I mean, you know, different to strokes for different own. folks. To each their own, right? Mm-hmm. All right. So all kinds of different meat. We we covered a bunch of ways, but oh, so one of the big things you do need to go out. And actually find some of this salt. And you need to, even if you just go buy like kosher salt or whatever, right. and you put it in a five-gallon bucket and you seal it up tight. Now, again, it's still going to get stuck together and whatever. It's really hard to keep the moisture out. Um, yeah. Unless, you know, you have it in a, a pre-sealed kind of container or you're in there a lot. Um, and again, depends where you are, I guess. But yeah, most, make sure you go get that. Yeah, go ahead. And Slowburn had mentioned uh, most of the um, farm supply stores will sell preserving salt. Not too expensive. You can go buy a big bag over there. Cheaper than buying uh, 50 little cans of that Himalayan salt that costs $9 a, a shot for some reason. It's yeah. salt. Come on, guys. Settle down. Exactly. No, now one of the comments was about, you know, pressure canning the meat. And that's awesome. We actually, I did just got a uh, a pressure canner uh, in the last year. Last year, the wife um, was really, you know, hey, this is something we need. And mm-hmm. it, again, it's still like we bought an electric pressure canner. All right. So, all right. you know, all right. I understand. You know, we can still do canning and jarring, but not pressure you know, without, cause we had the big pots for, right, without power. for doing stuff without power, but we don't have for pressure canning, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, that's something to miss, but, uh, yeah, no, absolutely. Pressure canning meat is awesome. And something you guys want to, uh, you know, think about. And yeah, that's one of the, I have to admit, that's one of the, the, uh, prepping things that I have no knowledge of pressure yeah. cooking. Yeah. I have no idea how that works. Yeah, no, there's a lot of, uh, so anyway, I was going to say with the salt, uh, there's that Azure standard. Mm -hmm. Um, you might want to look into that. So that's, 
you become a member, but it's not like Sam's club where they, you know, rob you for $50 a uh, year or whatever the hell it is they want. Mm -hmm. It just, you just sign up and you can go get deliveries. Now what they do is in order to save on the, the shipping and delivery price is they'll have one person who likes to do a, you know, reasonable size order or a couple of people who get together and they'll ship it all to the one person's house. And I thought, you know, oh, there's never anything near me or whatever. And sure enough, I typed it in and it was like a 25 minute drive to the nearest person who was getting a delivery. And they were like, oh, you have to wait a month or, you know, whatever. They're getting right. their next delivery in three weeks or whatever. But I was able to get, you know, a big five gallon bucket of it for like 40 bucks, 30 bucks, something like that. But bottom line, it's, you know, available. And that's, you know, that's what you want to look into is, is ways to get things cheap. Uh, you know, somebody mentioned farm supply stores, you know, usually have the preserving salt and 50 pound bags. Obviously that would be, you know, a better way to go if you can just go pick it up because I'm impulsive. Right. I have an idea. I want to just go do it right away. I can't just, you know, I can't <laughs> wait a month. And right. three weeks. No I want to do it now. Understand. What yeah. happens if the apocalypse happens tomorrow? You know, uh -huh. I need to you're, be you're caught that. with your pants down because you didn't well, do it immediately. Exactly. So mm -hmm. you got a plan. So anyway, that, that's what I got on that. So we did update our, uh, our logo a little while ago. I'm sure you guys have seen it by now. And, uh, I know, you know, you guys have heard me mention in the past about how the t-shirt quality, I wasn't sure it was really up to the standard that I was looking for. Um, you can get those at preppingbadass.com. We, I ordered a bunch of the new ones with the new logo and I had a bunch of friends at work order them and, and a lot of people got the new t-shirts and they seem pretty great. Uh, I've been wearing them, uh, pretty good. I do have a new, uh, coffee mug somewhere. Ooh, oh, I have it backwards though. Yeah. I don't know. Hang on. There's a button I can hit that'll make it that you guys can see. And now you can imagine Ooh, what fancy. it would be if it was the right direction. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. Anyway, the, uh, but there's, um, so all kinds of new gear at, at preppingbadass.com. The new logo, uh, a lot of different variations. I, I came up with some cool stuff. Um, anyway, and the quality does seem to be better. Um, so anyway, uh, coffee cups, a little simple, but I just, I don't know. It just seemed right. It was simple and classy and, uh, you know, Hey, you can only, uh, do so much, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, uh, everybody's got their own, their own thing. Um, you know, it, <clears throat> if you can butcher your own meat, if you're at home, you know, with your animals and want to butcher your own meat, that's the best way to, to do it. Make sure it's fresh to, to smoke. I, um, definitely, uh, definitely do that with, with, uh, certain animals, but, um, I was going to, I was going to get a goat to, I for, believe that. And, uh, I talked to a friend of mine that, that does a lot of his own butchering and he's like, I'm, I'm never going to kill a goat again because you have to, you have to make friends with it. So it trusts you. And yeah. it's like smart. They're, they're smart, friendly, hey, like, hey, you know, like dogs. and then you, you know, while you're petting it, you grab it and slit its throat. And he said, it was like, he, he felt horrible afterwards. So yeah. Yeah. That's I don't know. Great. I don't know that Cute I'm going to go fuzzy bunnies, you know, whatever yeah. it's, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I had to butcher a uh, chicken 
two days ago, yesterday, actually, mm-hmm. yesterday or the day before, either way, before work. And um, the wife's like, oh, that one's got a broken leg and it's like hobbling around, you know, everywhere. Mm-hmm. It was weird. These two started out. We we had got a regular batch from that uh, Murray McMurray, I think we ordered. So you have to get like mm-hmm. 30 or something. It's right. a big number. And uh, so he's hobbling around and these two just got so fat where they were like bigger than any rooster we have, whatever. And they uh, can like barely walk. So I think the way he broke his leg was actually like jumping off too the fat. roosting fall. Yeah. To yeah. The ground. It was yeah. just like, oh, and fell over. And she's like, he's been limping around for days and whatever. And she's yeah, like, you know, got uh, chicken, chicken was not a meat that people typically okay. ate. It was like, you know, you had chickens for eggs, but they're always so scrawny mm-hmm. and they've mm-hmm. been messing with chickens for so long. Yeah, that now the meat chickens they they literally they get so fat that their legs oh, break yeah. and their no, their hearts yeah. give out. You know, their hearts give out is the big right. thing. Um, so you yeah. have to you have to you know you raise them to full size and then immediately butcher. Right. That was uh, so I was talking to a guy about that uh, a farmer a long time ago because I don't do meat birds. I mean, we'll eat chickens as they kind of age out. I'll I'll cook mm-hmm. them up. I don't care. People are like, oh, they get tough and whatever, yeah. whatever, whatever, dude. Just, you know, so, be a man. Man, yeah. up, right. So anyway, I have uh these. I was talking to a guy at meat chickens, and I was like, "So what's the deal?" And he's like, "Well, in like eight weeks or less, they'll get to ten pounds, and that's when you want to kill them." He goes, "If you wait any longer, if I go to twelve pounds, they just have a heart attack and just drop dead and fall over and die." Right. And I'm like, "Oh." And even okay. if you find that chicken three minutes after it died. I'd still hesitate to cook it, to cook it up, man. Yeah. He's like 10 pounds is your limit. And these were like leghorns or whatever, you know, your big white ones that they get. Right. And he's like, this is what we do, but whatever. Anyway, just a little side note. Anyway, you have questions, concerns. You can email us at prepping at gmail.com and you know, show ideas, anything you want to talk about, uh, let us know. Cause Hey, we're here to serve you guys. You know, we want to dig into the topics that you're thinking about. Um, otherwise I would say stay safe and we'll talk to you guys. Oh, hang on though. Um, if you're watching us on YouTube, we're going to do it after show, talk about some aliens and stuff. I might try and throw a five, 10 minute podcast up with it. We'll see, but, uh, look out for that. Definitely be on the YouTube channel. Just search, uh, prepping badass. Otherwise stay safe and we'll talk to you guys next week. Mm-hmm.